Hey everybody, have you considered starting a podcast? We here at Screwball highly recommend Podbean for getting your podcast out to a larger audience. Podbean has given us the ability to easily bring you Screwball each and every week on all of your favorite podcast services. Use the link podbean.com slash screwball to sign up and save up to 35% annually. You can also use the link podbean.com slash pro slash screwball to sign up for a business subscription. Happy podcasting. Hey everybody, welcome back to Screwball, a baseball podcast, your home for everything baseball. I'm your host, Mike Lepree, here with my co-host, Frank White. Hey, how's it going? This is episode 73 of Screwball, following up on the trade deadline. Uh, so we obviously have a big, big, big time news uh, section of the show, which is actually going to also be our topic of conversation, is just the trade deadline. Let's go over, we're going to go over each trade. I have 30 of them here that I went over on the MLB Transactions uh, website and tried to get each one uh, to the best of my ability. Um, there might be some smaller ones that may not be like uh, official yet on the website um, due to physicals or or the stuff like that. But I think we captured all the major trades, all the major factors going in. Um, so let's. So what we're gonna do is the way I have things listed is date by date from the last time we recorded any uh, big trades starting from the twenty seventh, and we'll just go piece by piece and just talk about each trade, whether it's a big trade or whether it's just a kind of you know something you can just gloss over. So. I'm going to get into the first trade here on the only trade made on the 27th was the Mariners trade right-handed pitcher Kendall Graveman and right-handed pitcher Rafael Montero to the Astros for right-handed pitcher Joe Smith and infielder Abraham Toro. So this kind of, I wouldn't say this kicked off the trade deadline because there were trades before that, but this kind of was one of the first few when things started to really pop off. The initial reaction to this was strange. Mariners are kind of in the hunt somewhat for a wild card and they trade trade away their closer. I just didn't understand the thought process here. Obviously they made a, a, a deal later that kind of almost reversed it and they got a closer. But at the time when this happened, I don't, I didn't understand it. I still kind of don't understand it, but I mean, it's weird. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, you know, signaling that the, yeah, the Mariners are in it. They won a couple of games. They're actually playing the Astros. They came back from the deficit the team was flying high and they, trade their closer away a tough deal if you're a Mariners fan or, or a Mariners player for sure because that changed the whole outlook on the team as you've seen players say they're like this just shows you the franchise doesn't want to win mm. but really it's not a bad idea because what's Kendall Graveman I think was on this was last year I'm not your deal or not under control for much right having the best year he's ever gonna have mm-hmm. trade him high get some value for him and then you end up getting you know later on they end up getting a pitcher who they're gonna have control on until 2024 yeah so the idea was cash in high on a team that, look, if we make the playoffs by any stretch, somehow, you're not going to do nothing. Right, right. So let's cash in when we can instead of having some sort of silver line and think we're going to win the World Series over a team like the Dodgers or, you know, those teams. Yeah. So it's not a bad idea to cash in high and then, you know, do what you got to do. Because they are still going for the future. Like, yeah, they want to win now, but they also understand where they're at. Right. And like you said, the corresponding move, or not the, necessarily the corresponding move, but the – the move they make later in the week that we'll get to makes more sense. Like you said, you have a guy with more control. So Astros get a good bullpen guy. They get rid of Joe Smith, but you definitely get an upgrade in Kendall Graveman and uh, Abraham Toro was definitely expendable. So, uh, you know, Astros made out good there for a team that's either, either going to win the division or you would think probably push for a wild card. So that's the only trade that happened on the 27th. Uh, the 28th had quite a few more, quite a bit more that like there were, there were some here that were pretty, uh, substantial. So the first one that I have marked down here is the Diamondbacks trade, trading infielder Eduardo Escobar to the Brewers for outfielder Cooper Hummel 
and second baseman Alberto Kiprian, if that's how you say his name. This is a good trade for the Brewers, who are really going for it. The Dimebacks are really nowhere this season. They're even they're even more nowhere than we thought they'd be. Um, so getting rid of Eduardo Escobar for something was was the smart move. I don't know how much you know how much control the Brewers have of him now. I don't know if he's going to be a free agent. You know, so I think this is a good trade for the Brewers. Having a good versatile guy that can really play just about. I'm pretty sure he can play just about everywhere. You know, he at least plays one of the outfield positions, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, it's a good trade for the Brewers. They need somebody. Um... You know, just to, it wasn't quite. Uh, also, having playing first base wasn't quite uh, the position they really needed. But a guy who's versatile, uh, switch hitter, he's got good pop, hits for a relatively good average, and like I said, you can put him pretty much anywhere. So it's definitely not a bad move for the Brewers. Um, you know, and the Diamondbacks obviously, why keep him? You know, right. you're not going anywhere. So you might as well trade off and get what you can out of him. So, you know, it is it is what it is. So that's just. Um, Good trade for the Brewers and just the trade that kind of, you know, it is what it is for the Dimebacks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought it, it kind of works out for both of them. You know, the Dimebacks had to do what they had to do there. Then the next trade is the Marlins trading away outfielder Starling Marte to the A's for left-handed pitcher Jesus Lazardo. Jesus Lazardo, obviously high, high, high potential for the A's. Um, hasn't necessarily worked out uh, as far as I as far as I know. Hasn't really worked out to this point. Starling Marte, a very proven outfielder. You know, so giving the A's some... Some definitely, you've got some defense out there in the outfield now with him and Ramon Liriano. Um, you added a really good bat there. And the A's, you know, maybe seeing the writing on the wall with Hazel Cesardo or, or, you know, they make smart moves. So they've made moves like this in the past where some guys don't work out. So I think it's a good trade for the Marlins. You get a young guy, got a lot of potential still, and, and the A's get a guy that can help them with the playoff push. So yeah, I think it works for both. Yeah, uh, I wasn't a huge, huge fan of the idea of getting rid of Hazel Cesardo. Or a guy like Marte, was, this is his last year under contract. Mm-hmm. But Marte is going to be great for the A's. Um, yeah. He's a great player. He does a little bit of everything. Um, there's a possibility maybe he does sign back with the A's. That would make this trade a lot better. Mm-hmm. But to give up Jesus Lazardo, um, you know, a guy who was a top prospect, pitching prospect, hasn't really pitched all that much in the majors, but a little bit he has hasn't been all that great. Uh, and maybe this is something because uh, it looks, it kind of looked like maybe he was a guy that might end up being more of a bullpen guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Because, you know, they think maybe he can't really adjust for starting rotation or be long or have that third pitch. And if that's the case, obviously, it makes it a little easier, too. But um, that's how far the A's go to really d- determine that. But it's a good trade. Mar- Marte's going to be good for them. I was a little surprised they got rid of ha- uh, Jesus Lazardo. But um, it is what it is. It's what you have to do to try winning. Right. So And if they keep Marte, then obviously, you know, that changes, too. But Marte's already come over, and, and I think he stole three bases in one game for them already. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, the guy's he's going to be great for them. And outfield has been a little bit of a weak spot for them. You know, Liriano, Kana, and then the third spot's kind of been relatively open. Mm-hmm. So, and especially with Liriano and Kana being hurt a little bit. So, they definitely need a little bit of outfield help. So, it's a good move. Um, you know, Jesus Lardo is a great piece. So, the Marlins got, like, well, they have seven high-prospect or former high prospect pitchers that are all like 26 or younger. Yeah. So I have Sandy Alcantara and Sixto Sanchez and guys like that. So they're loading up a rotation slash long relief bullpen or trade tradable pieces in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. The Marlins are doing a lot of right things. I think they'll be good in the somewhat near future here. Uh, it was definitely smart. This is a smart trade for them because they're building towards, you can see what they're building towards. But yeah, if the A's sign Starling Marte back, it, you can, you know, this is a pretty easy trade pill to swallow, getting rid of Jesus Lazardo, especially if he turns out to be a pretty good pitcher. So yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good move. I mean, it's, um, you know, the Marlins are going for the idea of, you know, it's hard to find pitching. 
Yeah, right. So let's grow our own pitching and we'll find hitting. Right. So that's what they're doing. And uh, yeah, it's not a bad move because you know, the A's don't lose three guys. They lose one. Yeah. So it's straight up one for one. That yeah. That guy turns out good. All right. If he doesn't, all right. Yeah, yeah. You have three guys. You have three chances of being one of the guys being good. That's true. So it always, always depends on what the A's do. So A's yeah. go win the World Series. Every trade worked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whatever piece you put there. Next trade is a little bit smaller. Uh, Rockies traded away uh, Michael Givens to the Reds for right-handed pitcher Case Williams and right-handed pitcher, uh, right-handed pitcher Noah Davis. The Reds getting a bullpen piece um, in Michael Givens. Michael Givens is pretty good. Um, I wouldn't say he's like a, a game-changer for them, but he's good. Um, so kind of a, a pretty, you know, nothing trade. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how you're kind of feeling about this trade. Uh, like I said, I just don't think it's uh, much to really get excited about, really, for either team. No, I mean, it's something to at least keep the Reds, you know. Yeah, we'll get a little piece to add on. You never know. Get hot. The offense, you know, might help them out later in the season. I think, like I said, they make a little run. Um, otherwise, I think Givens might have a, another year of control. So that could be a reason, too. Reds kind of hoping for next year. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, that's what it is. It's just more of a, like, eh. We're not selling really, but we're not really buying. So, just yeah, kind of keep the players kind of entertained, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um, the next trade here is kind of the same, but the, there was a little bit more to it, at least when we saw it. Uh, the Yankees trading away right-handed pitcher Luis Sessa and left-handed pitcher Justin Wilson to the Reds for a player to be named later. Um, again, the Reds get a pretty good bullpen piece in Luis Sessa. Uh, a former really good uh, bullpen piece in Justin Wilson has definitely struggled in the past, um, in the recent times here. But this, uh, you know, for us, when we saw this, it was freeing up roster space and, and money for, for something else. So we kind of saw some writing on the wall here for, for the Yankees, you know, with what they were doing. Yeah, it clears up some roster space, some 40-man roster space, um, some money. Um, also, you know, it gets, you know, a chance for maybe not this year, but next year for some young guys um, to get on the 40-man roster and get into the majors. Yeah. Um, so it was just to clear up some space and, and some stuff. But the Reds, you know, they obviously got two bullpen pieces that can help them out down the stretch. Right. Yep. Still on the same day here, the Pirates traded away left-handed pitcher Tyler Anderson to the Mariners for catcher Carter Bins and right-handed pitcher Joaquin Tejada. Um, Pirates obviously were sellers. Um, Tried to do what they can to get more uh, young guys, get ready for the future. You know, to the Mariners, I mean, I guess the Mariners build a little bit here. I don't know what the prospect pull that they got from this was. But it's, uh, again, uh, you know, Pirates are a lowly team. They're not, you know, they're not all of a sudden going to be good, you know, probably maybe within the next two years. Um, and the Mariners are kind of almost there, you know, so they're, you know, maybe Tyler Anderson fits into their whatever they're seeing as their plan. So, uh, again, nothing that's going to immediately impact anything, but it could, you know, sometime down the line you could see the effects of it, you know. Yeah, uh, Tyler Anderson, a somewhat younger pitcher, um, could definitely help out a little bit, um, keep them competitive mm-hmm. this year yet. Um, and um, I think he signed maybe a one-year deal, Pirates. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not sure, Tyler Anderson. So uh, it could be like uh, maybe he has control next year, but I think it was a one-year deal. So maybe if he pitches well, you keep him around. Um, but, you know, it keeps you, like I said, it keeps you somewhat competitive this year. And the Pirates obviously get rid of a guy um, and get two younger guys. So, you know. The more younger guys you get, someone's going to hit and someone's going to be relatively good. So it's just a good little deal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, this is the last deal of the day for the 28th. The Nationals, I thought this was a good deal for both teams, but the Nationals traded uh, Kyle Schwarber, outfielder Kyle Schwarber, to the Red Sox for right-handed pitcher Aldo Ramirez. 
works for both teams. You know, the Nationals were obviously selling um, and were kind of blowing it up in a way. So Schwarber doesn't fit into that. Um, and the Red Sox need a guy, you know, like that uh, for their offense and their playoff push. So I thought for both of what they what both teams are doing, I thought this is a great trade for, for both of them. Yeah, I mean, he's getting Schwarber always helps. Um, you know, they kind of need a first baseman. I'm not sure if Schwarber's going to be the answer at first base. Um, but he could help you at the H yeah. and uh, fill some outfield spots too. Um, he would say, you know, you get J.D. Martinez out of the outfield, but you're putting Schwarber out there is not much of a difference. So I'm not really what you're going to do unless Schwarber plays first base. But definitely not a bad piece. You get talent, you'll figure it out later on. Um, so, you know, a little a good deal for the Red Sox to get somebody. And then for the Nationals to get rid of a guy on a one-year deal is always, no matter what you do, it's always good. Yeah, you got something for it. Yeah. Now this is on start, all trades starting on the 29th. Uh, start with one of the big ones, one of the big shakers, and one of the big moments we knew the Cubs were blown it up. Uh, the Yankees traded right-handed pitcher Alexander Vizcaino and center fielder Kevin Alcantara for the, to the Cubs for first baseman Anthony Rizzo and Cash. Um, again, this is, you know, when we started to realize that the that the Cubs are kind of blowing it up and getting rid of their guys, which is smart for them. Uh, smart for the Yankees because they're getting a guy almost as a rental player and they're not paying him anything. And, you know, and I don't believe they gave up too much in the prospect pool here. They gave up two guys. So good trade for both teams. They both need, did what they needed to do and, um, you know, help the Yankees try to get into the playoffs and the Cubs can start to start the rebuild. Yeah, it's a good trade for both teams. Uh, the Yankees get Rizzo, a uh, defensive first baseman, um, a lefty. Um, both things that they're struggling at. Um, a guy who's a free agent next year at a position the Yankees could use, so plays well in the stretch here. Maybe the Yankees try keeping him. Uh, Cubs get two players for a guy who's going to be a free agent um, and really relatively struggling for out there for the Cubs. Mm. Um, so it's a good deal for them. Uh, so both, uh, you know, good deal for both sides. Like I said, you, you know, if he's a free agent or he's on a one-year deal, there's no point in keeping him unless you're in the hunt. It's just going to be a waste of time, essentially. Yeah. So good for both teams, and it really helped the Yankees out, especially um, the first series with Rizzo. So, um, you know, we'll see. But it's it's a good trade for both teams. It's it's you know, a good player going from no one to a contender. Mm. So that's exactly what a trade deadline is all about. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, that was definitely a good trade. Uh, this one I, I kind of questioned why more teams didn't think about this, but. The Royals traded away left-handed pitcher Danny Duffy to the Dodgers for a player to be named later. I thought I think Danny Duffy has, you know, a lot of uh, value. Has he been the best pitcher in the league? No, but I think that in the past he's he's definitely shown a lot of, you know, a lot of talent, a lot of value, and just for a player to be named later, I thought that any contending team could have made this trade. And Dodgers coming to snatch him up, I thought was a great deal. And I don't know if it was the best deal for the Royals just to get a player to be named later. I mean, yeah. you get him, you get something, but. You yeah, know. I mean, Danny Duffy is a little bit injury-prone here recently. I mean, he's injured right now, coming off of, he'll be a free agent after the year. Um, so we had to get something for him. But, yeah, obviously there was a little bit of a low asking price uh, for a guy who also could pitch a little bit out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I think the Royals could have got a little bit more for him. But um, the idea of at least getting something for him um, is not bad. And then the Dodgers obviously adding a pitcher who, for a while this year, was one of the better pitchers in the AL and has always had pretty good potential. So definitely a good move for the Dodgers and then for the Royals. It's uh, you know more of a gray area. You could have got more, but you got something. So you didn't just you know let them ride out. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Uh, the next trade is the the Mariners trade we were kind of alluding to before. Uh, the Mariners traded third baseman Austin Shenton and right-handed pitcher J.T. Chargois. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. 
uh, to the Rays for right-handed pitcher Diego Castillo. Now, this I thought was really good for the Mariners, considering the um, you know Diego Castillo is a very good pitcher and you have control of him for quite a few years here. Probably you're probably going into your years where you're probably expecting the team to start um, kind of coming together. You know, your prospects are up and have had time to develop and maybe figure out some pitching things and you start to get some bullpen pieces, you start to put things together. And um, I thought this was a great deal for them. I'm not quite sure why the Rays did it. Maybe, um, you know, paying Castillo at some point. You know, the, the Rays are a little bit mysterious sometimes with their deals. Maybe they see something in the guys they got. But um, I thought this was a good move for the Mariners overall. Yeah, it's good for the Mariners. They got a pitcher who's under control through 2024. Uh, helps relieve some of the, you know, slack left by Kendall Graven being traded. Um, so it's definitely not a bad move for them. Like I said, it gives you a pitcher who you're going to have for this year, maybe next year, and you got a guy you're going to have for four or five years, Dio Castillo. Mm. Uh, for the Rays, you have to get two players for him, so that's good. But um, to get rid of a bullpen piece um, doesn't make too much sense. Um, I mean, they have Nick Anderson coming back and guys like that. But, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Um, they obviously just swept the Red Sox, so I guess, you know, didn't hurt them there. But yeah. definitely a good move for the Mariners in their um, soon-to-be uh, contending team they have coming up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The next trade here is the Indians trading away second baseman Cesar Hernandez, the White Sox for left-handed pitcher Connor uh, Pilkington. This, is, I thought, was a great trade for the White Sox because Cesar Hernandez has a lot of talent, and I think that he goes uh, under the radar a little bit at times, especially being a switch hitter. So the White Sox, I think, made out here good with this deal. The Indians got something for Cesar Hernandez. Um, I'm not sure if he's uh, just a rental player, like his contract's coming up at the end of the year or what, But uh, and I don't know the Connor... Uh, Pilkington, this lefty that they got, I don't know uh, what his deal is if he's any uh, of any value, but I thought this was good for the White Sox, and especially because they make another deal in which they get rid of uh, one of their second basemen. So I think it's a pretty good deal, and um, I think it works for both teams in a way. You know? Yes, Cesar Hernandez is a good get for the White Sox. Obviously, they're in on Escobar and some other second basemen, um, so they need, definitely need one there after uh, an injury earlier in the year. But against Cesar Hernandez is a guy, um, you know, who's been hitting for more power. Usually he's like a 260 or 270, 280 hitter this year. He's been down, but more power. Um, pretty good defensively. And he's been around a little while. So he's definitely going to be a good piece to fit in for the White Sox. So definitely a good trade uh, on both sides. Um, Indians getting rid of a guy they don't need, you know, and somebody the White Sox could definitely use. So it's a good trade. Yeah. Uh, two more here before uh, the day was finished. Um, this was a big trade and another trade that, you know, kind of worked for the Yankees here. Oh, actually, it really works for both teams. But uh, Rangers traded away left-handed pitcher uh, Jolie uh, Rodriguez, I believe that's how you say his name, and uh, right fielder Joey Gallo and Cash to the Yankees for second baseman Ezekiel Duran, right-handed pitcher Glenn Otto, second baseman Josh, Josh H. Smith, and second baseman Trevor uh, Hoover, I believe that's how you say his name, or however. Uh, big trade, big-time trade, four guys going, excuse me, going to the Rangers. Uh, two guys coming to the Yankees, again, like previous Rizzo trade we mentioned, Joey Gallo, although has a, another year of control next year, is being paid by the Rangers um, for this year. So it works out uh, definitely for the Yankees for this, for their, you know, for their payroll this season, uh, helps their playoff push, and the Rangers get a good haul back. They get four guys. So even though they're not in the highest portion of the Yankee prospect pool, you get four guys, you know, you got to figure that you can do something with, with one, two, maybe even three of them. So yeah. I think it works out well for both. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good trade for both teams. Rangers get four players. The hope is one of them becomes pretty good. The prospects weren't bad. So it's, you know, it's a deal you have to, you know, make if you're not, you know, planning on paying Gallo, which I don't think they were. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then the Yankees, you obviously get a left-handed power bat, a uh, guy who's versatile, could play a little bit of first, maybe even third, but some outfield spots, lefty bat, um, you know, doesn't really help with their strikeouts, but um, the idea of it's a lefty power bat and a, a good defender. Again, that's the big thing was getting good defenders. Hmm. Um, and then getting a left-handed relief pitcher to help fill in for the holes left by Sessa and um, Justin Wilson. So it's not a bad trade for them. But the Rangers, yeah, get get a four prospects. The idea that one becomes pretty good or one, you know, is a guy you'll have in the future that helps you win um, or even helps you trade for someone else. Um, you know, it's, it's a good trade. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I thought it was uh, great. I thought it was really good for both teams and especially to a Yankee team that's had struggle with uh, lefty, you know, lefty offense this year. Uh, the last trade of the day um, is the Nationals trading away left-handed pitcher Brad Hand to the Blue Jays for catcher Riley Adams. Again, I think this works for both teams. I think it works very well for the Blue Jays, who notably had bullpen issues coming into the year. I think that they do have some nice pieces out there, some guys that really have some good stuff, but Brad Hand shores up the bullpen a little bit more. And the Nationals, I, if I'm not mistaken, just got him on a one-year deal, so getting something for him when you're kind of blowing it up is... Uh, is always good too. So again, a, a trade I think that works out works out well for both teams. Yeah, Blue Jays getting a relief pitcher definitely helps, and the Nationals get rid of a guy that is on a one year deal on a non contended team is always a good idea. So it's uh, I know Brent Hand's a relatively big name, but it's really not much else you could say. It's you know they both teams work out there. Blue Jays get a guy they can use, um, and the and the Nationals get a guy a young guy who can help out later in the future. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to the last day here, we got quite a few trades, obviously that happened, uh, some smaller ones, but so definitely there's maybe the biggest one uh, in this day, but first, uh, the angels traded away left-handed pitcher, Andrew Heaney and cash to the Yankees for right-handed pitcher, Elvis, uh, Piguero and right-handed pitcher, Jansen junk. The, uh, this trade was, uh, I believe towards the end of the day and Andrew Heaney, a guy that hasn't worked out quite as he was, uh, supposed to thus far. A guy maybe the Yankees are taking a little bit of a gamble on. But um, the Angels, you know, have had notable pitching struggles in the past, so I don't think this really affects their rotation much. You know, so I, I don't think getting rid of someone like Heaney is too bad on them. And I think the Yankees taking a chance on him uh, can't hurt them, especially they've had pretty good – overall they've had pretty good starting pitching this year. So um, I think it works out well for both teams but I don't think I don't think this is like an earth shaker or anything I think it's just kind of is what it is no it's just it's just depth for the Yankees to get a left-handed pitcher again they need a little bit of left-handed pitching as well so they get a left-handed pitcher um a guy who's had high upside in the past and you know worst case you can throw him out in the bullpen as well he's been out there a little bit um and then the Angels getting rid of a pitcher who um I believe uh, was arbitration last year I think he was a free agent this year um so again getting getting rid of somebody um, that you're not having next year or probably not going to sign back next year for, for prospects is always helpful. Um, so it's a, it's a good trade for both sides. It's more of a smaller trade. Yankees are going to use more for depth. Angels get rid of a guy for some younger guys just to, you know, bring in and, and see what happens. Yep. Uh, next trade is the Angels again. They traded away left-handed pitcher Tony Watson of the Giants for right-handed pitcher Jose Marte, left-handed pitcher Sam Selman, and right-handed pitcher Ivan Armstrong. I was actually a little surprised by this trade, why you gave up a lot for Tony Watson. I know coming back to the Giants, you know, is a, is a thing for them. Um, I think he's a little bit on the older side. Um, I don't know what kind of year he's having, honestly. Uh, but three guys for just the one, thought was a little strange. Overall, I think it'll help the Giants, you know, because they're really in a place that not a lot of people thought they would be in. And the Angels get, you know, they get three guys back for, for one pitcher, so... You know, you'd think you'd like to think one of these guys work out in the bullpen or something to, re you know, to replace him essentially down the line, you know, quote unquote. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great trade for the Angels. You get three players, you never know. Uh, you know, the more players you get, the better chance you have one of them being good. Um, and then the Giants obviously getting left-handed relief helped up, never never going to hurt. No. Um, so that's good. And a guy you, you're, you know, comfortable with. Um, and a guy that the Angels signed um, right at the spring training, uh, he was released or designated for assignment, Tony Watson. Yeah. So a guy that you, you know, snatched up before the season started, and then you get three players for it is a great trade for the Angels. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next one's a big trade. Uh, the Cubs traded away. He's considered a left fielder on here. I don't know what his primary position really is anymore, but left-handed pit, excuse me, left fielder Chris Bryant to the Giants for center fielder Alexander Canario and right-handed pitcher Caleb Killian. Again, like we said before, Cubs kind of blowing it up here, had to get rid of some guys. Giants, big-time move for them. I think very, very smart. They're really going for it. You know, they have the best record in the league, and getting a guy like Chris Bryant definitely can't hurt. Um, and the Cubs getting you know, what they can for them while they're, you know, getting rid of some of their, their stars. So, uh, again, I think this works really well for the Giants, and I think it works out for the Cubs, obviously, as well. Yeah, it's a good trade all around. Uh, Giants get a guy who's versatile, can help them wherever, um, and a big bat uh, to help out, and a guy who's been in the playoffs, knows how to win. Um, and then the, the Cubs um, continue their teardown. Um, <clears throat> you have to get rid of guys. They're You're not going to pay them all. The team, you know, is going to be struggling here. So just to, you know, to let them ride it out is it's not smart. You get prospects, and that's how you, you know, build a system faster and get the team competing faster. Um, if you let all these aging guys or guys, you know, run their contracts out, you know, that's when you get these long rebuilds that they've seen in the past. Yeah. So it's a good trade for both sides. Uh, Chris Bryant could definitely help the Giants, you know, definitely help them out this year um, and get them a bat in the middle of the lineup uh, for a team that actually has quite a bit of lefties too when they're fully healthy. So to get a righty, righty bat who's, uh, you know, versatile could definitely help. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one's kind of a little bit of a smaller trade, uh, but the Cubs traded away center fielder Jake Marisnik to the Padres for right-handed pitcher Anderson Espinoza. Uh, just a depth move. I think um, you know the Cubs getting something for Jake Marisnik is good, and Padres get a little bit of depth out of the guy. He's he's okay. You know, like I said, it's a depth move. He's not going to be one of the All Stars maybe on the Padres, but you know it adds adds some help in the outfield for them. Yeah, that's just good depth. A guy who could play good defense, uh, you know, defensive replacement or you know substitution. A little pinch runner, a little bit of pop off the bench. So it's just a good little bench player for the Padres. And, um, you know, um, adding pieces, um, veteran pieces uh, to a team that you expect to win with is always a good idea. Yeah. Uh, more or less kind of the same deal here. Uh, the Orioles trading away shortstop Freddie Gallus to the Phillies for right-handed pitcher Ty- uh, Tyler Birch. Uh, Orioles aren't going anywhere right now. Uh, getting rid of someone like Freddie Galvis uh, and getting something for him is, uh, is always good. The Phillies add some depth with Freddie Galvis. Uh, he could definitely... Uh, start some games there or, or be a guy off the bench or, or he, he'll definitely fit in with the Phillies. And like I said, the Orioles get something for him. You know, a guy that, that really isn't, you know, a part of a, a winning, uh, you know, the Orioles aren't winning now and they're probably a few years off yet. So, uh, you know, again, another trade that works out for both teams, what they need. Yeah. That's a good trade. The Phillies have Freddie Galvis back to the Phillies. He's been, he was there for a while in his career, switch hitter plays multiple positions. Um, knows what he's doing. Could help fill in for the Phillies, and especially with some injuries they've had in the past. Um, and then the Orioles just getting something for a guy who's you know uh, going to be free agent to be. So just a good trade for both teams, and helps uh, helps maybe the Phillies uh, chase down uh, the Mets and the NL East. Yeah, uh, this one I actually scratched my head at a little bit. I got to be honest, but uh, I guess it I, I could see the idea here. I just don't know the haul was smart. But the Rangers traded away right-handed pitcher Kyle Gibson and right-handed pitcher Ian, Ian Kennedy and right-handed pitcher Hands. Hans Kraus and Cash to the Phillies for right-handed pitcher Spencer Howard, right-handed pitcher Kevin Gowdy, and right-handed pitcher uh, Josh Gessner. 
Um, so it's a, what is it? A three for three and you get some cash out of it. Um, you know, the Phillies get some cash out of it. They get Kyle Gibson, pretty good pitcher. Ian Kennedy, you get a bullpen piece. I'm not sure. I'm not, um, too familiar with Hans Kraus, but, uh, giving away Spencer Howard is a little suspect. I'm not sure what the idea was there. Uh, I know that he's pretty highly regarded in their system. So this one made me scratch my head. I think it works out better for the Rangers, you know, in a way. So at least initially, yeah, the Rangers win this trade for sure. Um, you know, you got rid of guys who are having better years than really expected. Uh, the Phillies got, got rid of, you know, their top prospect a few years back. One of the top prospects in all baseball. I believe he was like a top 40 prospect in all baseball. Yeah. Um, yeah, he hasn't pitched all that great. They haven't really given him a chance to pitch long in the games. But, I mean, to get rid of a guy like that for a team when the Phillies aren't, like I said, they're, they're, they're trying to chase down a playoff spot, so not that they're out of it. Um, but they get rid of Spencer Howard for, for, you know, Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy. It just doesn't really make that much sense. I don't think there's enough consistent talent there to make that move. So the Rangers make out great there. And the Phillies, um, it's not a ter- it's not awful. It's not like, oh, well, that was just, you know, get rid of the farm for everything there. But, I mean, it's just a, unless the Phillies make the playoffs and make a run here, um, I don't really see it being that great of a deal because Spencer Howard is a guy who um, has a really good chance of being, uh, you know, pretty good. And even if not in the rotation, at least out of the bullpen. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it doesn't make, I don't think it makes that much sense. No, I'm, I'm not sure uh, what the deal is with that either. I, I, well, you know, time will tell if Spencer Howard works out, and if he does, I don't, you know, it's not a good trade. Or, like, you know, like you said, if the Phillies really do something this year. Uh, the next few here are kind of, we can just run through real quick. They're not really huge. They're not really huge born burners here. Uh, Indians trade away right-handed pitcher DJ Johnson and center fielder Jordan Luplow to the race for right-handed pitcher Peyton uh, Batonfield. Uh, Rays get a guy that kills lefties. They get, a you know, a guy like um, Michael Brasso they have. So you get some depth there. But other than that, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, you know. Just a small trade, um, little piece, you know, raise one, I guess someone, a good hitter against lefties, they got it, that's it, that's just a move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next one here, Pirates traded left-handed pitcher Austin Davis, the Red Sox for second baseman Michael Chavis. Uh, I think the the Pirates get a nice player here with Michael Chavis. Um, Austin Davis, uh, the Red Sox do need, you know, even though they've, they've been good all year, they do need, I, I think, some pitching as opposed to more offense. So I guess it works for both teams, but again, you know, uh, I, you know, not nothing that's going to shake the world, especially for the pirates getting Michael Chavis. So no, I think the pirates work out here. Um, Michael Chavis was a higher up prospect um, and not that long ago. So mm-hmm. I think the pirates get a better deal here, but the Red Sox, I was seeing a little bit of pitching. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say it's, it, you know, didn't help them. Um, so it's, it's a you know small deal, but could help uh, both teams in one for the near future, one for, you know, years to come. Yeah. Uh, next one's a narrative we've heard before. Diamondbacks trading uh, right-handed pitcher Joaquin Soria to the Blue Jays for two players to be named later. Uh, like I said, Diamond, you know, previously Diamondbacks really aren't going for nothing. Um, so getting rid of a guy they signed to a one-year deal, and you know the Blue Jays getting another bullpen piece, adding to the Brad Hand acquisition, shores up their bullpen a little bit to help for the playoffs. So um, two players to be named later could could have been a little bit maybe better haul, but um, you know you never know what you get. There's been players to be named later that have worked out, so, you know, yeah, you never yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, it's just what it is. Dimebacks need to get rid of guys. Uh, Soria not, you know, doing great this year. Dimebacks, you know, awful. So getting two, you know, players to be named later or whatever, you know, it's going to help them. You know, it, it can't hurt them, you know, in the future. So um, just a small trade. Uh, good for the Blue Jays for the now. Um, and for the Dimebacks, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start getting into some of the bigger trades here. There's definitely some big ones coming up. So let's start with the Royals trading away right 
fielders Jorge Soler to the Braves for right-handed pitcher Casey uh, Kalich. Uh, Jorge Soler isn't quite having the season like he did last year or the previous year. But if you get that kind of talent for the Braves, a team that's really just been marred with injuries, I think that this really, really works out for them. I think this is a good deal for both teams, but I think the Braves really could see some upside with Jorge Soler. Yeah, Soler's got the ultimate power. So it's a good move for the Braves. You need a little offense, and you get a guy like that who's going to come in and mash home runs, maybe fill some of the home runs that were missing by Acuna's injury. So a good deal for both sides. Um, you know, Royals get rid of a guy for a younger guy, and the Braves get a guy for it here and now who's, um, you know, has got some just uh, unbelievable strength. Big time uh, trade coming up here. Uh, the Cubs trade away shortstop Javier Baez, right-handed pitcher Trevor Williams, and cash to the Mets for center fielder Pete Crow Armstrong. Uh, if I had to guess, Pete Crow Armstrong was maybe a little highly, a little bit more highly regarded in the Mets system if it's just one guy for Javier Baez and Trevor Williams. So um, I'm not, sh- you know, I don't know much about the guy, but uh, the Mets getting Javier Baez, especially if they sign him, it works out for them very well. And Trevor Williams is a good little piece for them too. So uh, I think this trade works. For the Mets, especially because they're real, you know, they're a division leader right now, so they're really going for it. And uh, again, Cubs blowing it up, so they get something for for their guys. You know? Yeah, I think the Cubs maybe could have got, you know, you always like to get more players, you have better chance of something. But they right. they get a higher regarded guy um, for Bias, who was a free agent after the year and a guy who swings and misses a lot. So uh, not a bad trade for the Cubs. I think they could have maybe got a little bit more, just you know, player quantity wise. And then the Mets get. Uh, bias who could help fill in for Lindor some injuries until he comes back and then you can kind of move around your offense and your defense um, and kind of go from there so we'll see um, what happens but um, yeah not a bad trade either way yeah the next trade here I thought was a fantastic trade for both teams but the Nationals traded away infielder Josh Harrison and catcher Jan Gomes and cash to the A's for catcher Drew uh, Drew Milas right-handed pitcher Richard uh, Gouache and right-handed pitcher Seth Schumann I thought this was a, I think these guys will fit right in with the A's. I think that that's an, uh, you know, that move for the Athletics if I ever seen one. And the Nationals getting something for Josh Harrison, who they thought probably nothing of when they got him. And granted, Jan Gomes, yeah, is a, is, has been a real, you know, big piece for them. But you're getting three guys back, one of them which being a catcher. So I think this works out really good for both teams, and I think this is a really good trade for the A's. We're really, you know, they're going for it. So yeah, I think this works out great. This is a perfect A's trade. Josh Harrison is a perfect A's player. Has, uh, you know, maybe reminded me of like a Howie Kendrick. He's going to go there. He's going to have a big hit. Everyone's going to love him, and, and, you know, that's going to be great. Jan Gones has been around a while, having a pretty good year. Um, could help spare, um, you know, Sean Murphy when his day's off. But uh, Josh Harrison can move around the field. Of course, versatility is perfect for the A's. And he's a great player. Hits, you know, hits some home runs, hits for a decent average, going to run the bases, play defense. He's, he's just perfect. And then Nationals getting anything back for those two um, aging veterans is, is, is good too. Yeah. Uh, we got a few more here, probably like a handful, four or five. But this is probably the biggest trade of the deadline. Uh, again, the Nationals involved. Nationals trading away right-handed pitcher Max Scherzer and shortstop Trey Turner to the Dodgers for right fielder Donovan Casey. Right-handed pitcher Gerardo Carrillo, right-handed pitcher Josiah Gray, and catcher Kyber uh, Ruiz. Now, Josiah Gray and Kyber Ruiz being, I believe, one and two in the Dodgers' um, prospect pool, if not, you know, right around there. Um, also guys in the top 100, so uh, you got a really good switch-hitting catcher, I believe, and a highly thought-of uh, pitcher. But the Dodgers do get Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, who are some of the best at their respective uh, you know, positions. So I think that the Nationals really made out here with the two, with especially those two guys. But I think that the Dodgers, um, you know, with everything going on with with Trevor Bauer, needed to shore up. Uh, what better way to shore up a piece of your rotation with Max Scherzer? And 
shore up, uh, you know, your middle infield with Trey Turner. And now, you know, you have him and Corey Seager. So, I, I mean, this is a really blockbuster. Yeah, this is the biggest trade we've seen in, in some time. Um, I mean, for the Nationals, they did okay. I, I really think they should have got more. Mm. Yeah, Trey Turner was under contract, um, obviously, this year and next year. A guy you're not pay, you're not going to pay a bunch. Mm. Versatility, good average, got power, can run the bases, fights two injuries, knows how to win, he's clutch. We've seen that. Mm. And then you get rid of a pitcher like Scherzer, who's you know, got a Hall of Fame-type career at this point. Um, yeah, they got two top prospects, but I feel like they could have got a third mm. higher prospect. Cus uh, Turner's going to be there next year as well. Uh, for the Dodgers, it's great. You know, obviously helps sure up your team right now, and also gives you flexibility for next year when Corey Seager's contract's up after this year. You can you don't have to sign Seager back to that big deal if he wants it. You can move Turner to shortstop, back to shortstop, have him for a year and figure things out again. You know, I'm not saying they will do that because of those buy all their players, because um, that seems to be the way they do it. Um, sure. I think they're $85 million higher than the next salary cap team. Um, so, you know, that's what it is. But it's a great trade for the Dodgers. Uh, Nationals is not bad. I just, would, I think they could have got more. I mean, I think Trey mm. Turner alone could have got probably uh, maybe both of those guys just mm. alone. And then you throw Scherzer in. I, mean, I feel like you could have got a third, maybe not like, you know, their third number, third, you know, number three prospect, but maybe like a five or a six yeah. a higher up guy. Or maybe a guy even like Gavin Lux who's been struggling and he was a high prospect, and maybe you take a, sh- a flyer on him. Yeah. Yeah, I-, I think that it – I think you might be right. I think that uh, these guys do command that kind of value, especially the seasons that they're having. Scherzer are obviously getting a little older, but Trey Turner, right, I mean – Trey Turner's one of the best shortstops in all of baseball. I yeah. Think, I think really is. He's probably really a top-five shortstop. I'd have him over a lot of shortstops. Yeah. Well, I think you're taking – I'm taking him over Seager of Turner's consistency. Yeah, I over agree. Seager's one-year really go of it. Taking him over Correa because Correa's always hurt. And Turner is just, he does everything, runs the bases as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's, uh, you can take him over a lot of guys because he's yeah. more of a standard shortstop who runs the bases. Yep. You know, you yeah, can, he causes a lot of problems on the base path. But also you know? hits 20 to 25 home runs. You know, I, I, you know, I think you take him, I, I'd take him over Bogarts as well. I think Bogarts' stats get inflated because of Boston. He doesn't run the bases, doesn't play great defense either. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can take him over a lot of these guys yeah. because of his, you know, what he does and his versatility. He can play second base. He can play third base. He can play outfield, but also the, ba- the ability to steal bases, hit home runs and hit for a 300 average. And then be clutch. We've seen it with the nationals that year. They, he was the, one of the clutches hitters. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a, it's about a, as blockbuster as you get. And that's, this was the big one for the, for the deadline, I feel, um, but we'll see what happens. I think it, it, I think it does work out for both teams and um, you know, you're going to see the effects of this trade for a little bit here. Uh, next trade, just a few more here. Uh, Cubs trade away right-handed pitcher Craig Kimbrell to the White Sox for right-handed pitcher Cody uh, Hewer. I hope I'm saying his name right. And second baseman Nick Madrigal. Obviously good for the White Sox. That bullpen is sick now with him and Craig Kimbrell, Liam Hendricks at the back end. Definitely helps them out. And the Cubs getting Nick Madrigal I think is fantastic. I, we both of us think very highly of Nick Madrigal. So when he, um, you know, he, he had a pretty solid, you know, he had a pretty good injury early in the year. So when he comes back and starts starting for the Cubs, the Cubs aren't obviously going anywhere next year now with all these uh, trade trading away. But, you know, I, I think that he could be someone maybe you keep around for a while or maybe as he as value starts to grow and you, you start to get a little better, you get a lot of prospects for him or, or whatever. I, I think that um, I, I like Madrigal a lot. And obviously Craig Kimball helping the White Sox out is a no-brainer. Yeah, it's a good trade. You know, it just lengthens the bullpen. That's already good. Um, length of pitching staff is really good for the White Sox and for the Cubs. Yeah, they got Nick Madrigal, which is which is great. Um, you know, obviously he's not going to fill up the stat categories. You know, he's not going to sit there, hit a bunch of home runs, 
Um, he's a guy who should steal some bases this year. He wasn't stealing a bunch, but he's a guy who can steal some bases. He plays, you know, above average defense, but he doesn't strike out. He makes contact, hits the ball, puts it in play. He's got a bat for a high average. So it's a good guy for the Cubs to get. Um, you can kind of see, you know, the White Sox need to win this year. You know, they want to win this year, maybe next year. Like, this is their time right now. Yep. So, you know, having Nick Madrigold around, yeah, sure can help. But, you know, it's not going to help you this year with his injury. And, and you know, might could might even help you all that much next year with your injury either. Right. Um, but, you know, he's uh, he's a great player. The White Sox got the here and now, helped that bullpen. And uh, the Cubs got a guy who's uh, was a high high prospect. And he's a good player. He's, a, he's just a really good player. He's just, again, he's not going to fill up, you know, your – your stock, your stack columns. He's a guy who definitely needs some help with him because he's going to get on base and you need someone to knock him in. Yeah. He's a David Fletcher type. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he, um, like I said, we think very highly of him and he'll, he'll work out with the Cubs and, uh, Craig Kermel's going to work out with the White Sox. I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure of it. Two more trades here. One big one. And one, I just want to bring up this one because it just made me scratch my head. Uh, Indians trading away left fielder, Eddie Rosario and cash the Braves for first baseman, Pablo Sandoval. Uh, Pablo Sandoval early in the season was about as clutch as clutch can be for the Braves coming off the bench. So, you know, the Indians get him, but I'm pretty sure he already got released for Eddie Rosario, who I think has a lot of talent. And again, Braves making a move uh, to help out. You know, they had a little bit of an ailing team and to help sure up some offense. Uh, you know, pretty good defensive guy, too. Uh, and the Indians, I just don't understand. He basically, he basically got nothing because he already released Pablo Sandoval. So I guess it frees up money. Uh, yeah, I think it's just a money spot. Uh, it's good for the Braves to get Rosario and, and get rid of uh, Sandoval, who's a guy you know, you know, just paying money to kind of sit around. Yeah. Um. So it's good for the Braves to get Rosario. Um. For the Indians, it just saves money. Um. It's just what it is. Um. So it's just a, it's a money it's you know money saver and a roster you know save a roster spot. So it is what it is. It's just kind of the way things happen in baseball and that's deadline. Sure. Sure. Uh, the last one here we're going to talk about is the. Twins trading away right-handed pitcher Jose Barrios to the Blue Jays for center fielder Austin Martin and right-handed pitcher Simeon, Simeon Woods Richardson. Uh, again, Blue Jays uh, going with the pitching, uh, this time with the starting pitching. Great deal for them. Jose Barrios is a guy that eats innings. He's a bona fide, could be a you know really solid ace depending on what team he's with. Uh, for them, he sits right there with Ryu as, uh, you know, as their ace. And uh, the Twins... I don't know how much control the uh, Barrios has now with the Blue Jays. This, it might be a walk here for him. But uh, the Twins, obviously, really having a, an abysmal season. Getting two guys for him is, uh, you know, works out well. I don't know uh, I don't know how highly these guys are in the Blue Jays system, but I think it works out for them. But the Blue Jays definitely needed a guy like this. So this yeah. works out good for the Blue it's Jays. It's a good trade for the Blue Jays to get a pitch like that. I believe he has also control next year. But the Blue Jays give it Richardson, and that's a great guy for the Twins to get. Mm-hmm. Richardson's one of the highly uh, – one of the – Blue Jays higher up prospects. Mm. Um, so that's a good trade for both sides. Uh, Barrios is going to help them here and now and next year. And, uh, you know, Twins get some prospects for for a guy who, you know, you're in last place, essentially. So he's not doing anything. Um, and it's time to start looking at which guys you're going to keep and what guys you're going to trade and, and try making this a quick rebuild for the Twins. Yep. Uh, so that's all I had for the trades. Uh, quite a few of them. There's obviously other ones that were just smaller, you know. Millions of them. Yeah, oh, yeah, I could have. Plus the ones we already talked about, Nelson Cruz, Adam Frazier, guys like that we talked about last week. Yeah, so there were definitely more here to talk about. So if you heard, uh, if you didn't hear a trade that you thought was a little bit, you know, a little bit bigger than we made it out to be, let us know. But uh, that's kind of, that was the big deals for the deadline and where you're going to see major pieces moving around and and doing. So uh, with that, who do you think, or I know you have winners and losers, what do you think with, with that? 
But yeah, it was a huge trade deadline. All 30 teams made a deal. Um, 27 teams made a deal on the last day of the deadline. I think some winners to look at the Yankees are one. Mm-hmm. Um, getting some good players and not paying any of them. Definitely. Uh, Blue Jays, obviously, um, you know, building up a team to help or, you know, make a run for things. White Sox, they got a second baseman to fill an injury. They got another bullpen pitch just length in the, the, the pitching staff. Uh, Dodgers got two great players, one that's going to be there next year, one who's going to be, you know, the here and now in, in the rotation is going to be almost the ace. Mm. And then the Cubs, even though they, they got rid of all their guys, it's they didn't go, oh, well, we love them. Hell, they helped us win a World Series. Let's keep them and let them just finish the year. And No. You got to get the prospects for them. Otherwise, you're going to have a 10-year rebuild like they already had yeah. instead of having a three-year rebuild. You don't want that. Agreed. So the Cubs, I think, actually were winners as well. Agreed. Um, some losers in this – uh, even winner, you know, to be honest with you, the Rangers. Yeah. I think they made out well, too, because especially the Spencer Howard trade, which is what I'm going to get to here. The losers, uh, Red Sox, I don't think they did enough to help their pitching. Um, yeah, sales coming back. Yeah, your offense has been doing good. You really didn't fix first base unless you play on G.A. Martinez playing first or Swerver playing first. You didn't really fix first base. Mm. You got another outfielder who not really that good in the outfield. So either J.D.'s playing outfield or Swerver. So that doesn't really help you that much. Mm. Um, so I think they didn't really get enough pitching to help out, especially because, um, you know, yeah, you get sailed back, but the bullpen could use a little help, and the rotation could definitely use some help. Um, the Astros, I don't think, did quite – they didn't really – they got some minor bullpen guys. Um, they're starting pitching. I feel like they could have got a bigger – you know, uh, not a big name, but maybe a guy a little bit more established. They have a lot of younger guys not really established. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, they're still, you know, it's, you know they're, they're one of the best teams. Um, but maybe um, <clears throat> could have maybe got uh, – Figure something out. Maybe get your Don Alvarez back to DH and maybe get an outfielder or maybe get a catcher. Yeah. Um, you know, but I don't think they just did, you know, not that they're, they're, they're probably the highest of the losers, I guess you could say, because they did a little bit, but I just, I feel like they could have, um, after all the other offseason, all, all the other trades they make in season the last couple of years, they definitely could have made a big swing here. Uh, maybe that's because they maybe expect Verlander to come out of the bullpen at the end of the year. There's a small possibility of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't um, know. The Mariners, I think, were losers. You know, they, they just because of the fact that the team, Turned on them. Yeah. Team came out and was like, we hate you now because you traded our guy away. And I think they're like one and four, one and five since they the They blew back-to-back saves. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, that's kind of sucks for them. They made some decent moves for the future, but um, for the team for the team and the players who are on it, they, you know, it's it's, it's hurt, uh, hard for them. Sure. Um, the Phillies, I thought, really didn't have a great deadline. Just hands down, get rid of Spencer Howard for Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy. I just don't think it's that smart. Kyle Gibson pitched pretty well yesterday. He's a pretty good pitcher. Ian Kennedy's not bad out of bullpen. Spencer Howard was one of the top prospects in all baseball. To yeah. get him for two guys who aren't just, you know, that Ian Kennedy and Kyle Gibson, they're just not going to be like, yeah, those are our guys. You Hard to rely on them. They're pitching pretty good, but I, I don't, you know, consistency is what you pay for. Right, right. So I don't know. I just don't know about that. Um, Cardinals, they got John Lester. Yeah. You know, they got, they didn't really do much. Yeah. They got rid of John Gant. Um, yeah, they got rid of John Gant. I mean, it's they didn't do nothing. They didn't hurt themselves. They just didn't do much. Um, you thought that team that was getting hot and the offense started to figure it out, and maybe some guys get healthy. Maybe they'll jump in. Maybe they get a Scherzer, uh, make a big move. Maybe they jump in and get some smaller moves from the bullpen, um, and you know make a run at it. Uh, but you know they didn't hurt themselves. They just I think they could have done a little bit more with the talent they have. Yeah. Um, and the Brewers, the Brewers really didn't do anything. They got Ed- Eduardo Escobar. Yeah, that's that's you know he's a good player, but. You didn't figure out first base, which is your weakness. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think your outfield, Jackie Bradley's been terrible. Lorenzo Cain's been okay. Second base, Keston Herrera has been awful. He's been in AAA 
like four times now because he's yeah. been that bad. Yep. Uh, Willie Adamas has been playing good, but he's starting to come back down to earth a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I feel like he could have made a move somewhere else with the Brewers uh, and maybe got a bullpen piece as well um, because I, I don't see that starting pitching la- being as great as it is. Mm-hmm. At, at, it's been unbelievable. So eventually that's going to weaken a little bit, which means you really have to put pressure in the bullpen. And the bullpen's Josh Hader and the other guys are pitching all right. Then Williams would struggle a little bit. So I feel like they could have got maybe a first baseman and maybe another pitcher if they're really expecting to go deep into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they could have maybe done a little bit more, um, especially if you're really expecting, you know, to be the contender. Yeah, agreed. So that's that's I'm kind of in agreement with you. I thought there were, you know, some teams that did okay, that didn't really have to do much. Some lower teams that got rid of got some value for guys, but I think though that covers pretty much the major major uh, winners and yeah. losers. Um, I mean, if you want to throw some other teams you went out there, I don't like going to the A's because they did they did a pretty good job. Rockies, yeah, John Gray, you could have got rid of. You really should have probably got rid of him. Trevor Story, Daniel Bard, that kind of scratches your head there. Um, yeah, Diamondbacks, David Peralta would have been a great guy to trade away. Ketel Marte could have got you a lot. Even Bumgarner maybe might have. Stuck him on a team somewhere. Maybe we would have got something. Mm-hmm. So I think the Diamondbacks could have really opened the trade deadline. They would have just decided to be, you know, what they wanted to be. So maybe some extra ones you could throw in there. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a very good trade deadline, though. One of the most active trade deadlines I I can remember. A lot of big trades, a lot of big moves, and, and uh, definitely entertaining. But just uh, uh, position players were value was very low. Yeah, you weren't going to get much for position players, which was which was kind of surprising because of the big ones that are out there, and you didn't see the top prospects flying around, other than the, the Nationals getting you know the, the Dodgers too, and, and maybe the Phillies with Spencer Howard. There really wasn't many big top prospects. Usually, you see a bunch of top prospects or guys who just called up, you know, who go who go crazy. They're really good players. Mm-hmm. We didn't really see that. We've seen a lot more the tens and elevens and the nine prospects and the lower end guy or lower. Middle, middle of the farm system guys, mm. um, player to be named later for relatively good players. So I think the value on a lot of guys was down. I think maybe because the shortened season last year, uh, you know, you can't really rely on their stats. You don't know what they're going to hold up to. Um, CBA coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I think it was a lot of a lot of that. And also teams being more um, understanding on, hey, we can't just trade all our prospects away for this year because then if it doesn't work out this year, we're in, we're in some trouble. Right. So I think right. teams are kind of learning that. That side of things too. So, um, you know, it was a good deadline. I just think you didn't really see the, the big prospects flying around either. Just people blowing up their farm systems for for this season. Dodgers are probably the closest, and their farm system's still relatively good. And they know that they have to start winning because they have some aging mm. uh, superstars from Turner, Kershaw, Bauer paying money for. He's not around, you know. So they're kind of paying for. They got to kind of. It's now. See yeah. his contract's coming up. Bellinger got to pay. Mookie Betts you already paid. You know this. Will Smith's going to have to get paid soon, so it's kind of now. So they made with them, but other than that, it wasn't many prospects flying around. No, no, there definitely wasn't. You, you know, you've seen it in the past with some number one, two, three prospects moving. Pirates. But. I mean, they, they just ruined the whole franchise for ten years. Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass. Now, I mean, it's just stupidity. I know. At its yeah. finest, um, for Chris Archer, <laughs> for a team that was more like the Mariners, all right now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, hey, we're kind of in it, but we kind of know if we're not going to, you know, yeah, we're not going to do we're much. Not going anywhere. Right. Pirates did that, and they they got rid of Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now for a team to not make the playoffs and a guy who was literally was worse than anyone else you could have pitched. Yep. Ruined a franchise for 10 years. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't see, see quite those. No, I don't think we did. No, but I mean, time will tell. Sometimes trades uh, don't age well, you know, as time, as time goes on. 
But uh, let's move on to, uh, what do you say we move on to the hot and cold players uh, of the week sure. uh, from here? So, uh, as I usually do, my we're going to start with the hot players, uh, my top five hot players. Uh, as I usually do, I have my two, or the two players of the week as one and two. Uh, number one hot player is the NL player of the week, Joey Votto. Batted 381 over the last week with a 1238 slugging and a 1696 OPS. It is important to note that he hit a home run in seven straight games. Uh, just absolutely red hot. Just killed it last week. Definitely deserved the player of the week. Uh, number two, George Springer was the AL player of the week. Batted 409 uh, with a 1,000 slugging and a 1,500 OPS. Uh, again, just mashing a ball. Uh, you see what he can do when he's healthy. Uh, obviously has had a lot of you know, injury problems in the past and not just with the Blue Jays. So uh, you see what, what kind of production he can give to that lineup. Uh, number three, Yuli Gurriel batted 522 over the last week with an 870 slugging and a 1411 OPS. A guy that's really been raking all year, a guy that's been really important to that Astros offense, uh, just continues to mash. Uh, number four, Rafael Ortego, a 478 average with a 1087 slugging and a 1607 OPS over the last week. You know, maybe, you know, could be really helpful here to Seattle with them maybe a little bit of a push just to make some sort of wild card or something. But, you know, re- hitting really good over the last week all things considered. Uh, number five, the last guy I have here is Kyle Farmer for the Reds. Uh, 464 over, average over the last week, a 750 slugging, and a 1233 OPS over the last week. Those are my hot guys. Yeah, those guys, obviously, those stats are, are through the roof. Um, some other guys I got to throw out there, Miguel Cabrera, uh, playing really well right now. Um, mm-hmm. Over the last uh, month or so, he's been playing really well, um, chasing 500 home runs right there on the brink. Uh, Bryce Harper had a great year. He's batting over 300 this year. He's wow. had a great year. Um, he's been red hot recent. Romeo Tapia, a guy who no one really talks about out there in Colorado, uh, plays good defense, hits for a high average, steals bases. Um, you know, a guy that I think maybe the Rockies could have traded for this, traded it, traded away because he has some control, would have got you know quite some value back. Mm. Uh, Jorge Polanco playing well um, after his struggles in April. He's up to I think 270 on the year, and he's been batting over 400 over the last seven days. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cesar Hernandez. Playing well, um, leading up to the trade and after the trade, playing pretty well. So uh, those are some guys to take a look at, um, hitter wise. Um, some pitchers to take a look at: Cal Contrell, pitching well. Mm. Uh, Brett Anderson for the Brewers had a good start. Okay. Uh, you, uh, Julio Urias has been pitching great all year, pitching really good over the last seven to ten days. Jordan Montgomery for the Yankees pitching well, no run support, but pitching well. <laughs> and Walter Chapman back on his. Um, you know, more dominant ways, uh, four saves over his last seven days. Yeah. Um, and, uh, no runs. Yeah. So all those guys definitely pitching well. I think Julio Urias, uh, or yeah, I think he has like 13 wins this year or something like that. Some, some good amount, a little bit higher. I don't know if he's a league leader or anything, but that, I just, that happened to, when I saw it on the screen, I was like, wow, I was like, that guy's doing good. So moving on to the cold players I have on my list. Uh, number one, Max Kepler, batting 050 over the last week with a 200 slugging and a .295 OPS. Number two, J.D. Martinez, a .080 average over the last week with a .080 slugging and a 160 OPS. Uh, number three, Jose Iglesias, a .091 average over the last week with a .091 slugging and a .221 OPS. Uh, number four, Austin Hayes, an .095 average over the last week, a .286 slugging and a .422 OPS. And finally, Carlos Santana, an 095 average over last week, an 095 slugging, and a 304 OPS over last week. So some big names there, especially JD Martinez. Yeah, yeah, definitely some big names struggling. Um, some other guys I like got Jose Abreu struggling a bit. Um, hit by pitch quite a bit over the weekend. Hit the head, caused a bench clearing. Uh, 
skirmish. Uh, Tony LaRusso come running out of the dugout with a bad knee and get in the catcher's face, trying to tell him, like, hey, you got to stop hitting my guys and hitting this guy, especially because you hit him all the time. Um, so that's, you know, something to take a look at. Um, Tommy Pham struggling of late. And Michael Crawford have been terrible all year, going into a free agency deal, or free agency uh, after the year. And uh, if you're a Mets fan, you remember, can't sign George Springer because Conforto. We want to keep from Conforto next year. Terrible. <laughs> not hitting home runs. Average is down. He's just not been playing good. And of late, he's not playing good. Um, so definitely, if you're the Mets and you're trying to contend, um, you need your guys to hit. Mm. So that's that's a hard hard one for them. Um, especially when we get to a little later on why that's going to be so important before it gets hidden because there's some troubling news for the Mets. Mm. You wouldn't be surprised. Um, some pitchers that aren't pitching well. Lance McCullough has been struggling of late. You Darvish, second week in a row on the cold list. has been struggling of late. Yeah. Albert Alazolele for the Cubs. I'm not sure exactly how to say his name. Younger guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I think, twice out of the last three weeks or four weeks that he's been on the cold list. Oh, wow. Um, good potential, but, you know, he's been struggling of late. Diego Castillo went over to the Mariners and blew a save. Um, kind of getting booed off the field over there. Yep. And Garrett Cole got beat up uh, pretty well against Tampa Bay last week. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, that's a struggle for him because he got, what, six, seven runs? Yeah, something, um, a big amount. That's yeah. the most he's given up in like four years. Um, so, mm-hmm. something to take note of. To get to the next part, uh, you know, usually see injuries. Um, actually, for the most part, it's, it was a small injury week on the bad side of things and not a better injury week on the, on the good side of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to get into it, Domingo Romano placed in the I.L., uh, with a shoulder issue. Uh, Michael Brantley day-to-day. You know, obviously one of the best hitters in baseball. Hmm. Uh, Guillermo for the Mets. Plays on the IL. They got Baez, so, but with Lindor and now Guillermo. Yeah. Your shortstops or your infield uh, kind of lacking here. One reason why Caforo and the other Mets need to pick him up, but another big reason coming. Um, McCutcheon going for MRI. Hoskins was day-to-day. Tatis for the 58th time hurt his shoulder. Um, it's really going to come down. He's going to have to get surgery at some point. It's yep. just they're delaying the uh, the obvious here. But for, for some sort of good reason, they want to contend. They want to win a World Series. You're going to need Tatis. So they're trying to be like, if you could go through it, let's get through it. But you're going to keep hurting your shoulder on moving around, banging off the ground. You know, the idea of your shoulders rotating and popping out of socket, it happens. Yeah. I think almost everyone's probably felt some sort of uh, pop out of socket with your, your shoulder or your arm or maybe your finger or something like that. It pops in, but it, it still hurts. Hmm. And the idea that if it hits a nerve... You could really call some other serious damage. Right, right. So that's the, that's the big issue. We have uh, Tyler Glass now deciding to get Tommy John. Um, that's really bad news because uh, he could have got two months ago and possibly possibly been back for the end of next year. Um, now he's going to miss most almost guarantee he won't pitch again until 2023. Yeah. Um, one of the best pitchers in all baseball. I think had the Cy Young this year. Probably, yeah. Had the Cy Young in the American League. And – not for nothing, one I think the Rays won what like every time he pitched, other than like once. That's what it felt like, yeah. And he's just dominant. He's a guy who's just gonna out. He's just gonna out outdo you. Yeah. Every single time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Every single time. Um. So that was that was a tough one there. Well, then you get into um. Well, you also have uh, Rogers for the for the Twins. I believe pitcher hurt his finger. Oh right, uh, right, right for the deadline. Right. I think they could have possibly traded him. Um, but getting hurt right for the deadline with a finger issue for a pitcher, obviously it kind of hurt his. His, you know, his value there. Definitely. Uh, but on the good news, you have uh, Chris Sale. 81 pitches he threw on Saturday. He topped at 96 miles per hour. Um, he's pitching great. Um, I think he threw 81 pitches, 65 strikes. I think he's at 25 strikeouts to two walks in his mm. rehab so far. He's going to have one more rehab assignment, and then he'll be back, which means he'll be pitching 
I would say by the time he comes back, he'll be full go, over 100 pitches he could throw. Um, and throwing good. Um, and his control has actually been been back. Um, so I think that's why they took so so long. Um, they waited so long to make sure he can come back, and so his control is there. And mm. it has worked out. Obviously, yeah. it's a long waiting process, like 18 months at this point, but it's working. Yeah, yeah. Um, Swarber, expected to go on a rehab assignment in the near future here for the Red Sox. Um, the Yankees getting healthy and the, the idea that uh, that COVID guy's coming back. Yep. Judge came back. Kyle Yoshi came back. Gio Yoshella came back. Gio's now day-to-day. And LeMayu uh, was day-to-day, but he's back as well. Uh, but on the most part, they're getting healthy on the, off the COVID side. Mm. Some guys back off of that because that can um, you know linger and cause issues for everybody else, obviously. Sure. Uh, Shane Bieber playing catch. Hopefully come back soon, maybe end of August to September. Okay. Uh, Arias for the Twins is back. A good base hit guy. Um, Colin Moran expected to be back here soon, next couple days. You know, Luke Voigt expected to come back for the Yankees in the next couple days. Uh, Castellanos is progressing, uh, feeling pretty good. Cattell Marte activated, great. As a great player, great player. He's just an unbelievable player. Uh, great to see him back. Hopefully he can just be back. Yeah. Uh, Mookie Betts activated, he's back. Kershaw throwing, he's supposed to be back at the end of August here or the next couple weeks. And we have, this is why. I was talking about with Conforto. DeGrom shut down again. Oh, yeah. He will not be back until at least September. And the problem with it is it's the elbow inflammation again in the arm after throwing a bullpen session, after trying to extend himself to make sure he can go full go in the last couple pitches of the, or last, you know, a little bit of the of the bullpen session. He topped out at 98, which is, don't get me wrong, it's very fast for a guy who's throwing more of 100. Mm-hmm. But he was trying to, you know, like, hey, this is game now. Let me throw it. And he still has elbow inflammation. He's a guy who had Tommy John 11 years ago, and something that I actually learned not long ago, Tommy John's really expected length is seven to eight years. Hmm. Where you can really guarantee, like, hey, you're going to be good for there. Hmm. After that, you go nine, you're like, yeah, you should be good. Ten, after that, you're like, all right, you got a shot, maybe just not working anymore. Elbow inflammation, again, in the arm, forearm tightness, in the arm, Tommy John 11 years ago. Yeah. The guy throwing 102 miles per hour all the time. And what is he, 31 years old? About that, yeah. Not good news no. for the Mets. So that's a big reason why you need Conforto to pick himself up and guys to pick themselves up. Right. Because there's a good chance. I think there's a good chance you don't see DeGrom again this year. Oh, if yeah. If you do, there's a good chance he won't see him again for a while. I think he's gonna he's got a shot at really arm going out at this point. Because mm. it's time of John. He's, he never threw that hard before time of John. Mm. And he never threw that hard right after time of John. And his arm's... Was obviously now he's 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 getting more stronger and stronger and stronger and and now he's having elbow issues now he's having shoulder issues now he's having back issues what he had a thousand issues this year yeah there's mm-hmm. obviously a reason for it he's you're not supposed to throw that hard yeah. your body's only allowed to throw you you're not supposed to throw that hard at all your mm-hmm. body doesn't really let you throw that ball hard yeah mm-hmm. that's why no one can throw the ball harder than like 104 I think mm-hmm. it's physically impossible for someone to throw that hard yeah the overhand throw especially is is unnatural so the so. idea of averaging 100 miles per hour and then throwing 90 100 pitches a game doing it. Mm. You're, especially his body type for a skinny guy it's just not it's, it's not sustainable yep. so we're really going to see you know this could really be an issue for the Mets not just this year but possibly next year maybe even the year after because you know if something uh, catastrophic happens to DeGrom uh, you know Mets fans you guys you guys would I guess would know more than anybody but that's it that's, that's it you got no shot winning anywhere else yeah there's no shot when going deep anywhere, you don't got that guy. Yeah, especially a year where you don't have Syndergaard either. You know, it's not like you have your other guy. You know, so it makes it really, really tough on you. Yeah. You know, so, so um, that would stink. 
Yeah, so that's the main reason why I think Coach Florida really needs to pick himself up here because um, you're obviously going to need some big offense and some big players to step up if, you know, that guy's going to be gone. Agreed. So, there's your injury, injury news. I mean, for the most part, it was on the relatively better side. But, uh, yeah, obviously, um, injuries for the most part the last couple of weeks have been on the better side. Mm. Other than the Acuna and DeGrom, I mean, we're talking relatively good news. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, the last little bit here. You know, wanted to go into some recent news. Um, you know, we had the Indians, Cleveland Indians changing their name to the Cleveland Guardians. So I wanted to go a trivia question somewhat revolving that. Um, and the trivia question is, what was the last team in MLB history to change their name? Now, this doesn't have to be, you know, their nickname, which is technically your team name. So Indians to Guardians, this doesn't mean that. It could be a city change. It could be uh, the way you set up your team. You know, it's, it's all a bunch of different things. But the trivia question is, what was the last team to change their name? That'll be history. Um, and the answer is the last team was in 2016, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim changed their name back to the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, I, I didn't even think of it. That, that is... was the last team to change their name. And the team previous to that was the Florida Marlins to the Miami Marlins. Mm-hmm. And you've had other ones, the Devil Rays changed to the Rays, Expos back to the Nationals. Um, that was more of a relocation, so I'm not quite sure how that really fits into this. Right. Um, but yeah, the last team to change their name was the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. In 2016, changed their name back to the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, I didn't even think of them because I just, I don't know why I just, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim always felt like a uh, like an extension of it to me. Like it didn't feel like that was their official yeah. name. Like well, the it, owner always wanted to broad. Yeah, that was yeah. the thing. They wanted to be broad. That's why they were the California Angels. They wanted to get the fans mm. in because they had L.A. Dodgers out there. So yeah. they wanted to get the fans, so they, and they played also in Anaheim. So hey, let's be let's also give Anaheim their credit. Maybe steal some fans. Right, right. So it was you know that idea. I always thought that the name was funny and it was weird that they had that. So I always always made sure I called them the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Mm-hmm. I just didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. So seems so official. Yeah. So I just didn't get why they did that. But 2016, they went back to the Los Angeles Angels, and that was the last team change their name. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, I thought of more like a literal name change, like the Devil Rays to the Rays. Um, and then I just completely forgot about the Florida Marlins just because, I don't know, I, I feel like I don't think about them that much. No, <laughs> so, no, uh, so that's a good trivia question. I don't know, I, I think, I don't know how many people get that because I didn't even, I forgot that that even happened. So. Yeah, and it's funny because names used to change just flying around mm-hmm. in the early, in the 1800s, in the 1900s. There was teams, you know, you were the, uh, the Bluebirds and then they changed to the you know, Blue Sox and, you know, teams are, you know. Highlanders one year, the next team to this, next team to this, mm-hmm. you had the Naps, you had the Spiders, you had the, all in like four years. Yeah. Teams used to change almost like the minor leagues now. Yeah. Teams change yep. every couple of years, they get different uniforms and they're changing around for, for fun. Um, but that's how like the MLB was. But for any sport though, you're locked in from like, I don't know, 40s. Yeah, you pretty much got more or less. 30s, yeah. Somewhere in the 30s and 50s from that, in that range, you found your team and you were just locked in. Yeah, you really started building a franchise at that Unless point. Unless you relocated. Right, which, you know, has obviously happened, especially in other sports. Yeah, and even then you kind of keep your name. Yeah. As we've seen in football. Yeah. Baltimore Ravens, you know, they were Indianapolis Ravens. Yeah. Or, you know, Baltimore Colts, and they went to Indianapolis but kept the Colts. So it's it's the idea of really kind of keeping your name, just kind of changing the city. Right. The whole team name changing, you don't see that much anymore. No, no. Um, so, yeah, you definitely uh, got a unique situation with the Indians. Um, and then, you know, the Washington football team's got the same uh, idea, you know. Same thing on their head they to change it to. They, yeah, it's taken them this long. The Indians were like lickety split with it. You know, they changed it quick. They took four letters and changed them, and they're like, "That's just fine." Yeah, this is what we are now. Yeah. So that's kind of all I got for 
for this uh, episode, though. Uh, obviously, big trade deadline went over. We'll go back to kind of a more normal uh, episode next week without all the all the hoopla of that news. Um, but that's kind of all I got, you know, for this episode. I don't know what you know what you want to finish up with. No, that's it. It's one of our longer episodes we've had in a while, which is expected because um, that's this is the. Uh the forefront of the playoff race. Yep. Um, and this is what teams are going to look like. There's no waiver deadline. Mm-hmm. This is it. It's your team. Well, somebody actually gets released and does it for assignment and you sign them or free agent or something like that. That's a little bit different. But the idea of trading again and doing the waiver trade deadline, which has always been a mess because you never know what team claims them. It's always a secret team, a hidden team. It's just it's nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Um, always a big money dump too, those players. Oh, so yeah. 100%. It's good they just have a deadline and be like, this is it. Now, this is your team. So good luck. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think that's what made teams also jump in and jump out. When yeah. Buyers were sellers. Right, right. There's no like, eh, well, we can kind of gray, gray it around for a, little, a couple more weeks. It's like, nope, it's right now. Yeah. What, do we, what are we doing? Yep. Yeah. But yeah, it was an exciting week or so. And uh, playoff races are tightening up with teams getting better. And um, it's, 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 it is do or die. It's the dog days of summer. It's time to go. And teams are going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the only last thing I got here is I forgot to mention it last week, but uh, last week was co-host Frank White, <laughs> former Kansas City Royal. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> former Kansas City Royal Frank White was his birthday last week. Forgot to mention on last week's episode. Yeah, uh, last Thursday, and we went out this weekend for his birthday and got all smashed up nice. <laughs> um, so I uh, want to wish Frank a happy belated birthday for the podcast um, and everyone out there listening. I uh, wish him a happy birthday on whatever social media. And, uh, yeah, so, it you know, hope you had a good birthday, Frank. And uh, everyone, like I said, go wish him a happy birthday when you get a chance. Yeah, it's a good time. It was a good time we went out. It was something. And, yeah, I had a good time. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, hey, thank you for that. And uh, young boy over here will be uh, turning, like, 62, I think, in a couple of weeks. Mentally, I'm 62, yeah. I think. Physically, too, maybe. Yeah, 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 physically, I feel it. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, you look like you're 62. <laughs> okay. Falling apart. Yeah, yeah. You know how it is. Hairlines all the way back there. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, pants all the way up, you know, <laughs> suspenders on. You know how it goes. Yeah. So. Um, but right. other than that, that's all I got for this week. So you want to wrap this up and get out of here? Yeah, that's it. Let's, let's get together. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. You can uh, catch this podcast on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can listen on our regularly updated YouTube channel as well as our website, screwball.podbean.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Real Mike Lepree. You can follow me on Instagram at Mike Lepree. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FW10. You can follow our official Screwball Twitter at Screwball Pod. You can follow our official Screwball Facebook at Screwball Pod. No Ian Screw. And that's it from us, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep. Take care.